Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Hey folks, this is Kara Pallone and I'll be hosting Off the Record here in one second. It seems like technology just took a trip back to the 70s, so um, just a minute. We'll be right back. I'm going to put on a little uh, 70s music for you while we wait.
Dan. Welcome, everybody, to this installment of Off the Record. I'm Kara Pallone. I'll be your host for this evening. I am wearing bell bottoms for the record. <laughs> Nobody else wore their 70s uniforms. I did. Marilyn, okay, you did. T- talk about your shirt you're wearing for the audience that can't see it. This is my Telluride is my school t shirt. And these have a long story behind them. Do you want the story now? Sure, why not? Uh, it's I- Marilyn Siegel talking. I was the first hippie hired in the school back in <laughs> 73. And they had they told me that they thought the fourth grade was sinking to, into a hole never to be seen again. So I had to kind of tread lightly. Um, and I came from very progressive school systems and Telluride was anything but that. Um, so slowly I started changing things and introducing new programs. And other teachers started being hired that thought more like I did. But one of the things we did not have in the school was an art program. So I started recruiting artists from the town of Telluride. There was a ton of people who were very artistic. Um, We had somebody who came in and did stained glass with the kids, uh, macrame, pottery, any art that you can think of. There was someone in the community who could do it. So I got permission from the school to start what we called artists in the school. Mm. And it was all made up of local people. And we didn't have any money to fund it. So that's where the t-shirt came in. We decided that we would have a contest and all the kids could draw a design. And there was one woman in town who knew how to silkscreen t-shirts. So we submitted all of the designs to her and she compiled them. This is the school on the shirt. And that was when the school was one building, K through 12, 102 students. That was it. So anyhow, we had this contest and we came up with this design. And then as many teachers as I could recruit at night after the kids went home, we started silk screening like mad. Oh, my gosh. And the community responded so well to the T-shirts. Everybody, all of the hippies in town wanted (laughs) a T-shirt. It wasn't just the kids. None of the kids' parents bought them. But every newcomer in town wore one of these T-shirts. It was sort of a, you know, it was a thing. Well, you it did was, a good job because it's really still clear. I mean, yes, the yeah. images. We did a great job. And then we sold them to make money for art supplies. And the program just grew and grew. It started with my classroom. Then it went to Vicki Rance's classroom. Then pretty much we did it. Oh, wow. K-6. Yeah. We never got to the high school. But we did <laughs> we it through the to. whole elementary school. It was great. The community really rose to... Uh, 
help out when we needed them. Yeah, I want to talk more about that too, programming in the schools when y'all first came to Telluride in the 70s. I guess we got a little bit ahead of ourselves, but because I asked you to talk about your shirt. Um, but we are here uh, for a 70s show, people who came to Telluride in the 70s and because it's the 50th Telluride reunion this coming weekend. Pretty incredible. That's right. Terry, talk about the reunion. Well, How, why is it the 50th? How did someone decide that? Well, it, because the ski area started in 1972. Okay, cool. And that was the, the sort of demarcation of, of people arriving in Telluride prior to the uh, opening of the ski area. So uh, we did uh, the first reunion at 20 years, which would have been in uh, 92. And uh, then we did uh, one in 2002, 2012, and now it's 2022, and it's 50 years. The 50th. I heard it's going to be really well attended. Yes. We uh, we feel like we're pretty well sold out, actually. And, yeah. Uh, a lot of people are going to be here. Where Where are they staying? <laughs> I feel like that's I, an obvious question to ask these days. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hundreds of people. Are they ca- couch searching? Well, I Cou- think, couch I think surfing? Number, we've got people staying with us. And, you know, I mean, there's just people are slipping in wherever they can, I'm sure. So Yeah. I think we've probably all got people staying at our yeah. houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, you're hearing the voices of Terry Tice, who just spoke. He's quick taking a little sip of wine. We have Sako, who's now drinking tequila. We have Gary Hickox here who is um, ready to go, and Marilyn Siegel, who lives across the street from Kodo. Uh, thank you all so much for coming tonight. Thanks for I'm really us. excited yeah. for this show. Great to be here. Yeah. So yeah. I have to say, you know, 50 years sounds a lot better than a half a century. <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, when people ask me how old I am, I like to say, well, I was born in the first half of the last century. <laughs> they scratch their head. And they go, huh? Uh, um, you know, it's funny. I we put this show up on social media, and usually, you know, we hover right around. Uh, are y'all on social media? A yeah. little bit, yeah. So we hover right around. No, Sako. Okay, that's okay. But anyway, um, our engagement can kind of be on the low end sometimes, and we put up this show about uh, that we were doing this show tonight, and. Like 800 people liked it. So uh, there's something very nostalgic about Telluride in the 70s. People love to talk about it. People want to talk about it. And if you want to talk about it, if you're listening, you can call in 728-4333 to share a story. Um, But I want to know why that is. And I think maybe to start, we should just go through and introduce, uh, please introduce yourselves and talk about like your Telluride story. What brought you here and um, when you came. So Marilyn, since you're first... First in line. Um, I came in 1972 in the summer, slept in the ca- uh, town park, coldest night of my life for camping, um, and fell in love with Telluride. I had been on a camping trip trying to find a place to move. I wanted a ski town um, with a university. And so I was going to cover Colorado, Utah, Washington, and Oregon on a two week camping trip. And I got as far as Salt Lake and said, Colorado has the most sunshine. I'm going to go back there and find a place. And I looked all over the state, and near the end of my trip, I was visiting friends in Colorado Springs and told them my criteria, and they said, well, you should try Durango because it has both of the things you want. But on your way, there's this funky little place called Telluride, and it's not the kind of place you'd want to live, but you should just go see it. So uh, we drove in and fell in love with it. 
24 hours later, we bought a ski ranch because it had a free lifetime ski pass. Oh, I love that part of your story, yes. And then all the way back, the drive to Michigan, I had a yellow legal pad out trying to figure out, now, how are we can pay for this thing? I mean, buying <laughs> a ski ranch was nowhere on our radar at all. Um, but we fell in love with it and came back and have been here ever since. Awesome. And Gary, you moved to Telluride in 1975 with your wife and your son, Jeff. Jane is your wife and your son is Jeff. Right. Yes. Uh, talk about how you found Telluride. Um, well, I was actually hitchhiking down from um, British Columbia and stopped in at a friend's house in Mill Valley. And, and there was a couple there that we had been on a backpacking trip up in Oregon the year before. Some people remember Mike Fagan and Linda Strauss. And we got talking and they were moving to this town called Telluride. And so I called Jane and said, we should go check this place out. So we drove here planning to be here for a week and check it out. We even brought, Jeff was in the fourth grade at the, at the time. Her, his first teacher was Marilyn Brown. Oh my gosh. Um, but we brought a friend of his along because we weren't going to be staying. And within four or five days, we both had jobs, um, and and we had a house to rent. And the job I had was a, a remodel on the Telluride Lodge, and I, I couldn't leave until Labor Day. They wanted to shut down for a four-day weekend for a film festival. So we were here July, August, and early September, and then we drove home for a four-day weekend to get all our crap and bring it back and, <laughs> and uh, move back for good. And the, and the plan was just to be here for a year. I think like a lot of people that came in the early days, that was, well, at least for us it was. The goal was we had originally planned to go to Lake Tahoe and ski for winter and then move on to Ashland, Oregon. Um, we just turned into a long winter. Stayed here. I yeah. love it. And Sako, uh, you you first saw Telluride in the summer of 1971. Where did you see Telluride? You came here and visited. Well, you know, I was I was at Hanging Lake with two friends, and it was early. It was like 10 in the morning, and we were sitting there admiring Hanging Lake and Glenwood Canyon. And one of us one of us said, "Hey, we should go look at Telluride." Okay. So we drove from there to here over Taylor Pass. And, you know, just like everybody else, I got to Society Turn and was mm. just blown away. I was living in Aspen learning how to ski. And, you know, it was like if they ever put a ski area in here, I'm coming. And the next year, they did, and I came. And I've been here ever since. I came in July of 72. And we harassed uh, three of us, a guy named David Pike, Mm -hmm. Mike Muir and I would would go over to would, there were there were two crews. There was the the uh, people building the lifts, and the head of that crew's name, believe it or not, was Johnny Money. <laughs> and we he, they started at seven, and we'd go there and go, okay, we're here to work. And he goes, not hiring. So then we'd drive to Senior Mahoney's house, park out front. They started at eight o'clock, and you know we were, were ready to work and. They weren't hiring. But after about about two and a half or three weeks, I think Senior got really sick and tired of seeing us. <laughs> and it was like, get in the truck, let's go. And that's how we got hired to clear trails. And you're now, are you the longest running member of Ski Patrol at the current moment? Yep. Yeah. Congrats. God, you're so old. <laughs> yeah. Be nice. 
Um, <laughs> He's a professional. <laughs> yeah. But a professional. Right? Uh, anyway, that's how I got here. And I'm still here. You're still here. And Terry, uh, talk about your Telluride story. You, um, you moved here permanently in uh, June of 1972, huh? That's right. Um, I had taken a teaching job at the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley. And uh, the summer that I came out to get situated to start that job, I had some time and I was with an old girlfriend and we decided to cruise around Colorado a bit and I'd never really spent much time on the Western Slope. I grew up in Nebraska and so we'd been a lot of Eastern Slope places, Estes Park and Colorado Springs and you know Rocky Mountain National Park and all that stuff. But anyway, my job sort of disintegrated uh, at the end of the year that I was there, and so I, uh, my my brother had been doing some retail back in our hometown in Lincoln, Nebraska, and had often said, "Oh, you know, it'd be kind of cool to have a place out in a resort town in Colorado." So once I realized I wasn't going to be going back to my teaching job the next year, I said, "I think I know the place," because I had come through we when this gal and I were traveling around, uh, we had come through Tyra and I said, oh, this is an amazing spot. And I immediately started writing back, thinking that, well, if I have an academic career, I'll have summers free and I'll need a place in the mountains. So Telluride's gonna be where I wanna be. And then, um, like I say, we ultimately just decided we were gonna try to do a business here. So we came over and scattered around and were able to deal with the Goldsworthy family to get a lease on the building where the Tottery is right now. And uh, the rest is history. (laughs) Wow. So uh, we just kind of got it going. So uh, what was, I want to hear from, just chime in, uh, what was the sort of reception like when you got here? It was, you know, I mean, Telluride obviously was a mining town and it was a pivotal time when you arrived in the 70s it was sort of starting to transition into this hippie ski resort town what how were you treated when you came here in the 70s it was a mixed response yeah there were some people who were very receptive and friendly and loved having some new energy in town and other people said oh no these hippies you know we don't want any of those guys around and uh, so it was a it was a back and forth and then the miners themselves were always a very sort of rambunctious group and uh, would pick some fights in the bars and some of that and uh, so it was like I say it was it was a mixed thing but there were some people who were just very receptive and and they became good friends early mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that I never really got hassled by any of the miners but you're right it yeah. was a mixed bag and it, but I, I also found once once they knew you were here to work and you were working, you were I was accepted, and you know they gave they gave us uh, credit at Rose's Market <laughs> and credit at the San Juan uh, restaurant, you yeah. know, and um, yeah, because we needed credit, and um, <laughs> and yeah, it was pretty smooth sailing for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I was just going to say, I think I agree with what both those guys said. Here's an example of somebody who didn't like, which is how I ended up teaching at the school. Um, a guy who was, I guess I won't name him, but he was the PE teacher at the time. He walked into Bernie Davis's office one day in, in the beginning of the school year in 76. Um, and Bernie was the principal and he said, 
I can't work with these uh, these uh, <laughs> damn hippies. I quit. And wow. he literally walked out the door. Um, I was tending bar at the Chez Pierre when Bernie came down and told me that story. And I went, I could do that job. And he said, well, you ought to go apply. Um, so I did. And that's, that's how I ended up in that job. If I hadn't been tending bar that night and Bernie hadn't come in, I'd, yeah. we'd have been long gone. Because we were about ready. We'd been here for a couple of years and living on, you know, three bucks an hour kind of stuff. Sure. And we're ready to leave. And then that job came up. So that was kind of nice. Huh. I had a little different reception at the school. I had been teaching there for about three weeks. And the superintendent called me into his office. And he said, we have a problem. There is a group of parents coming to the school board tonight. And they want your head. And I said, well, what did I do? <laughs> and he said, you don't say the Pledge of Allegiance. And I said, really? I said, in the last school I taught, we were told not to say the Pledge of Allegiance because so many parents objected to it. If you want me to say the Pledge of Allegiance and that's school policy, you just have to tell me. I'm more than happy to say the Pledge of Allegiance if that's what you do here. And he said, okay, you just start saying it and I'll call them off. <laughs> and so I did. The next morning, we started saying the, the Pledge of Allegiance, and I interrupted them about, you know, quarter of the way through it and stopped them and said, okay, now you can go ahead. Well, not one kid could go ahead because it means absolutely nothing to them. It's just rote. So I made them learn what it meant. And eventually, once the parents realized that I wasn't a threat, that the fourth grade really wasn't going to sink into a hole... Um, <laughs> I had a lot of parents who were extremely supportive, and it turned out to be a really great experience working at this school. Were you in your 20s? Yes, yeah. I was 24. Okay. Um, I want to talk about, you. in a lot of ways, you had so much room to shape things, like shape programs, planning, like Gary talking about Parks and Rec and Saco with the ski resort and just the business side of things. Um, but first, we need to take a music break. This is I'm Not From Here. James McMurtry. This was Gary's, I think, suggestion, which I think fits perfect right now. We'll be right back. I'm not from here. I just live here. Grew up somewhere far away. Came here thinking I'd never stay long I'd be going back soon someday It's been a few years since I got here Seen them come and I've seen them go Crowds assemble, they hang out a while And they melt away like an early snow On to some bright future somewhere Down the road to points unknown Sending postcards when they get there Wherever it is they think they're going I'm not from here, I just live here Can't see that it matters much Read the papers and I watch the nightly news Who's to say I'm out of touch Nobody's from here, most of us just live here 
Hello, you're live on Kodo. Oh, I didn't want to be live. I just wanted to tell you, Kara, that there is a low volume on every guest except for Marilyn. Gotcha. Okay, so we need the men to speak up. Get a little bit closer to the microphone. Is get this, close. Get, clo- get close. Thank you. Thanks for that. Okay. Okay, bye. All right, but you also can call in and share a story at 728-4333 if you have one. Uh, we were just talking a little bit about social life in the 70s and how people really rallied and just came together, like every time a business opened, or give examples of, of what it was like in the 70s. And, and speak close to the mic. <laughs> there was the Buzzards Ball. Um, <laughs> the Buzzards Ball was sort of another costume party that happened at the old school um, um, the old elementary school in the uh, Quonset Hut, which happened actually happened to be owned by the fire department, that was a that was a big deal. Halloween was always a big deal. Halloween and the society turn. Do you, yep. any of you remember the and society Eve, turn? The fireman's party. Earlier than that, there was a, the first new restaurant I think that opened here is <clears> called the Iron Ladle. Right, and yeah. they they would have they would have a party. It was like, just boogie night. Wasn't yeah, that boogie what they night. It? That's what they it was called. called. Boogie night. All right, the Iron Little's having a boogie night, and we'd show up there and boogie. <laughs> I think I think one of the things that amazed me was that there was a party every night. I mean, there, the Roma was all your friends every single night um, in those early days. It was just that's where people went, and it, it wasn't necessarily mm. parties at people's houses. That happened as well, but like I said, the Roma was a party every night, and if you want to see a bunch of your friends, that's where you went. And well, the, the Roma and the Sheridan, right. and, the Sher- and I've got a great story there. Um, my wife Susan and I built an apartment behind the uh, Toggery, so we were living right on Main Street, and our son Anders, who unfortunately has just passed, um, was living with us, and um, so we'd put him to bed at night, and then we'd slip up to the Sheridan to have a nightcap. So he would just stay home alone? He'd just stay home. He'd be asleep, and we, well, uh-huh. we thought he was asleep. But one night, we're sitting in there. He slept at some point. Here comes <laughs> Anders in his little snuggly with his booties and dragging his blanket and sucking his thumb, walking into the Sheridan. Where's my mom? <laughs> and he knew right where we were. So, <laughs> See, Also, one of the reasons that we wound up at the Roma and the Sheridan was because none of these houses had insulation. <laughs> and they were freezing. And the Sheridan and the Roma both had big pot bellies that, which would glow cherry yeah. red. And you could go there and be warm and, you know, be social and be warm. And then go home and pull the blankets up and go to bed. But that was that was a big reason, I think. I really do. Yeah. Someone actually commented on Facebook today, Phil Davis. He said, I was living in Aspen in the 60s, and my girlfriend knew someone in Telluride. We took a road trip there in 1968 and stayed in a place that had plywood on the windows. Great memories. <laughs> yeah, not surprising. We had Visqueen on uh, the windows yeah. to keep it warm. Yeah, yeah. always. Because yeah. they weren't insulated. Rooms, so rooms in the Sheridan, by the way, were 10 bucks a night. Yeah. <laughs> was but, that was... Probably. But we did have parties for every new business that opened. There would be food and drink, and everybody would come. The old-timers would come, the newcomers would come. And that, to me, was the first blending of the old and the new. Mm. 
Um, and I felt that most of the old timers were really supportive. They didn't all come. Some of them I, didn't I, like I us. Agree. But I those agree. were great parties. Just yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Everybody was there. And they were characters. Oh. <laughs> Snuffy, Shorty, yeah. Sarge. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. I mean, they were. Francis Warner. Francis Warner. Kenny Boyer. Kenny, Kenny Boyer. All those guys. You know, and, and ladies. To me, one of the saddest days in Telluride is when the mine did close. Because the, that was it for them. You know, some a few stayed, a few yeah. a few stayed, but that was their way of life. That was their way to make a living, and they had to leave. And you know. by then, you had sort of become friends. Well, yeah, Ish. acquaintances. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They accepted us. You know, I mean, most of them. You know, I mean, they like I said, we were here to work, and they knew that it was just a different way of life for them than mm -hmm. it was for us. Do you? Um well, so everyone came with a partner. Sako, did you come with your... Nope, wife? I came along. So what was dating life like in the 70s? <laughs> single life. <laughs> it was pretty single. <laughs> there, you know... They used to say, if you want a woman, bring one with you. Exactly. I mean, there, there weren't many ladies here. Some strong ones, but, you know... Yeah, there weren't many ladies here in the beginning. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, Marilyn, what was it like being... A woman here in the 70s. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> you had the upper hand. It was, it was awesome. I never felt that there were anybody discriminated against me because I was a woman. Um, you were just as welcomed as any guy mm -hmm. anywhere. Um, I could do whatever I wanted. I never felt like there were any barriers because it was the 70s. I mean... That was women's lib, burn the bra. That was, you know, a time for women really to come into their own. And in Telluride, mm -hmm. it was, you were welcome. What do you think the population was? 400? Yeah, four or 500. I always say 400. I always say 400 miners and 150 hippies. <laughs> <laughs> I heard there's like 400 coming to the reunion, so. Yeah, it's pretty, that's what it sounds like. But there yeah. was a census they did in the 70s, and 40% of the people who were living here then were between uh, 20 and 30. Really? And did not have kids. Huh. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was kind of um, amongst our people we hung out with here. We, Jane and I, were the only one that had a kid. Um, virtually all of our other friends hadn't started uh, pumping them out yet. <laughs> uh, I love it. So you felt like you were pretty well respected then in the seventies. Oh yeah, Marilyn. Yeah, yeah. Is that why you chose this song? Oh. <laughs> I was Love curious where this came I, from. I chose that song because I grew up outside of Detroit, and I, you know, nice. born and raised on Motown. Okay, love it. We're going to take a quick music break. We'll be right back.
Hello, you're live on KOTO. Oh, live on KOTO. It's Tom Watkinson. Ah, Tom. I'm just listening to everyone I looked up to my whole life. <laughs> There's too many stories to even begin. <laughs> so who, did you say that Gary was your kindergarten teacher? Is that Gary, what you? My PE teacher in kindergarten. Okay, okay, got it. I don't know how many nights I slept, with, spent the night with Anders in the Toggery building. I mean, it goes on and on and on. <laughs> Yep. We show sleeping you at the <laughs> sleeping at the ski patrol shack with Sako and Tom Taylor, the Boy Scout. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh. It goes on. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Do you? So, as That's someone be... as someone who grew up here, Tommy, is this like sort of who you credit for shaping Telluride and making it what it was? Not not leading with yep. that question at all, but. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely had a lot to do with it. There's a lot of influence. I think they were influenced by the people that were already here. They took some of that, made their twists and changes. And, yeah, I mean, look at our summer schedule. There wasn't much going on here in the summer. People had businesses that needed to, to keep going year-round. And, and somebody really came we, up we with the idea of a, Somebody came up with the idea of a bluegrass festival. Right? And yeah, talking about a bluegrass festival and some kind of film fest. <laughs> Something like that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's why we have a summer season with a lot of these guys. Nice. Th those were all pretty serendipitous the way they started, actually. So Yeah. Yeah, but it, it was, were, for sure. You're, you're absolutely right. So many ski towns had a winter mm. business season mm -hmm. and then kind of died during the summer. And so, tell you, I began thinking about, well, how do we keep people coming during the summer? And yeah. the festivals seem to be the uh, solution to that and unfortunately they've oh. sort of gotten out of hand <laughs> yeah, when, when, I was, when I was working for the town I'd go to these cast meeting uh, Colorado Association of Ski Towns meetings and every town yeah. manager there was wanting to know how did you guys get this stuff going we, you know we had back in those days about a 50-50 winter summer equal sales tax receipts that was really unique for ski resorts in yeah. Colorado. Absolutely unique. Yeah. Um, probably the only And we embraced it early, we embraced it early on and uh ski towns are trying to implement it now. People are too stuck in their ways. <laughs> the pendulum they don't pendulum want all that. Swung. Yes. I always just oh. thought that Bluegrass Festival started because Kuster and those guys wanted to play music and have some friends come. Well, <laughs> that's, the, that was basically the 4th of July. <laughs> Wasn't it? it was, I think that I wasn't here then. I thought they played at the Fourth of July picnic, and 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 from there evolved the Bluegrass Festival. Hmm. That was I, always my understanding yeah. before I got here. You know, m most of the programs that happened in Telluride, whether it was a music festival or it was a hockey program or a skating program, they happen or a baseball program. They happened because somebody wanted that. Somebody mm -hmm. had that where they used to live before, and they came here and they said you know, how come nobody plays hockey? I'm going to start a hockey program. And they found other people who were like-minded, and then they would get the whole community out there. When Gary wanted to oh, improve the softball fields, mm -hmm. because everybody played softball, so he, what did you do? You went and got a, a back of the truck, let's, and you had, you tell that story. Let's let Tommy hang up. Tommy, thank you for calling All in. All right. Well, okay. Good, be good to see everyone this weekend. Thanks for listening to us. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead, Gary. Well, um, when I got hired by the town um, 
to do Parks and Rec, um, I guess the, one of the very first things I did, I was at a meeting that was talking about uh, master planning town parks. And everybody here remembers the town park back then was, was just a big field of weeds from the highway all the way to the hill behind the stage. Now, we built a tennis court. Oh, the when tennis court. When I was on town council, there was we a tennis built court. a tennis court. <laughs> That's right. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. You built a pickleball court. Uh, a tennis court was the only thing. The campground and the tennis court was what was out there. So anyway, we did this master plan of the town park, and then it was a pretty limited budget. I think I had 150000 total to do the whole thing, the ball fields, the river trail, the, the, um, all the landscaping, the bra, the warming, all that stuff. Yeah. And so when we were sodding the fields, Davo and I, um, Davo, the hardest worker in Telluride in the, those days, we went out literally with the town pickup truck with a keg in the back and dragged our friends out of the bars uh, every night for over a month. And people, 15 to 25 people came out and laid sod every single night. It was pretty classic. You, brought, you brought your rakes and you brought your work yep. gloves yep. and you got all those rocks out of the field because yep. those were dangerous. <laughs> I love that you called yourselves HR Construction, hippie rigged. HRC was Davo's little thing on his truck. Yeah. Uh, HRC construction. Yeah, that was us. We have another call. Let's let's go ahead and take this. Hello, you're live on Kodo. Hi. Um, can I ask you a favor? I want to do. Uh, do you guys tape your shows? We do. Oh, good. Who is this? This is uh, Peter Waldorf. Ah. Um, <laughs> hey, Peter. <laughs> One of the greatest all-time parties of all time was the re-erect Peter Waldor party yeah. at the Roma. <laughs> Who's in there? Who is that? We've got Gary Hickox, Socko, Ter oh. Terry Tice, and Marilyn Siegel. Oh, this should be really dangerous. That's a trio. <laughs> yeah. Hey, are you in town? Come on over. <laughs> no, I'm not. I got a call from Stu McCready. Said you guys are talking about the old days on the radio. I would, if, I would love to hear it, but I don't get it down here in Montrose. Uh, is there, is there any way I could buy that tape from your show tonight? Oh my sure, gosh. I'll sell it to you. <laughs> you have fifty bucks. <laughs> you, you, you can't tune in on a computer. Koto. I, can't, I don't even have a computer. How about how about we just give you a free upside-down margarita? <laughs> hey, if you have an email, do you have an email? I I do. Well, I can send it to you. Just email me tomorrow. It's kara at kodo.org with kara with a C, and I'll email it to you. Thank you so much. I will do that. Perfect. Okay. Peter's but either, great either way, don't throw away the tape. I might not be able to get to it right now. Okay. We'll we'll save it. Thanks for calling. God, I would go to the room with you people. Ah. You people, I love. Oh, thanks for calling, Peter. All right, talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Do you Bye. feel like you just pick up right where you left off at these reunions? Is it like, or do you have to make small talk, or do you feel like you're just all everyone is sort well, of? Well, it no, sort of depends. Right I mean, yeah. But yeah, there are certain people that we we've had just heartfelt connections with for all these years and so there you just sort of can pick right up and some of the other people who are more in your periphery you sure. have to kind of oh yeah where are you now what's going on uh-huh uh-huh okay 
Um, we had a, a note from a caller who wanted to talk about the uh, ski seasons in the 70s. There were some pretty extreme years well, as, in terms know, of snowfall, whether it happened or not, right? Like, that, yeah, that first season, I mean, there was so much snow. They that, couldn't even open. Yeah. We, there was I mean, too much had, snow. We didn't really open till late, till just before Christmas because there was so much snow. We couldn't test the lifts. There was... it. it you know, we all thought we died and went to heaven, okay? And the first year I wasn't on the ski patrol, so I've only been patrolling 49 years. But I, we had a trail crew. But anyway, it, it snowed so much that it was just unreal. The next year, I remember in October, it snowed a bunch. There was like 18 inches of snow in Telluride. And I went back home. I went on back Halloween. To, it always yeah. came on Halloween. And I went back to Detroit to buy a pickup truck. This is where I grew up. And, you know, thinking, great, I'm, I'm going to be a ski patroller. It's going to be just another great season. I got back here in November. There was no snow. <laughs> None. And it didn't start to snow till December 22nd. Oh, jeez. And the reason I remember that is because we had no work, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, and it, you know, and then it started to snow some. But the big year, the big no snow year was 76, 77. Yeah. Some people think we were open 30 days. Some people think 40. I think 28. And they weren't consecutive. Right. And there were, there were no, I mean, our weather forecast was Jim Huska and the news, the one channel we got from um, <laughs> Grand Junction. Remember him? <laughs> And you know, so with you uh, know, gay, and, gay. What was his name? Yeah, and and we would we would go to you know we'd go. It would snow enough just to open. We'd go to work. It wouldn't snow again, and we'd be laid off. And the main thing I remember was unemployment was sixty-two dollars a week. <laughs> enough money to go to the bar, but not enough money for gas to go anywhere. And gas was thirty cents a gallon. <laughs> But you can also remember that a ski season pass back in those days was anywhere from 100, 150 the year I got here. Um, today, a day pass is 190. <laughs> well, can I say this? 200. I've been, I've been skiing in Colorado for 53 years, and I've never you paid never for paid. a season pass. Oh, geez. Well, that's yeah. well, well earned. But in those early days, there was no lifts on the front of the mountain. You had to get the bus and drive around to the day lodge, and the bus... You had a bus pass, too. You got a ski pass, and you got a bus pass for five bucks, and you could get on the bus. And nobody ever made plans to meet anybody going skiing because you were going to see them all on the bus. Mm -hmm. Everybody was going to the same place. And almost everybody skied on Chair 6. And so Chair 6 was just, you can see everyone and go, oh, there's Gary, there's Sako. You know, I'm going to go ski a run with him. So it was it was great. You'd see all your friends up there. And, and that was... so. Gary talking a little bit about um, like some of the things that you were able to do in the 70s it was sort of a blank slate like it was a kind of a blank canvas in terms of things that you could start programs you could start and ski PE was one of them I was so fascinated to read that you had some help from people but it wasn't it like a very dismal snow year the, tri the year that you tried to start it yeah um, I got hired 76 77 which as Sako <laughs> said was the drought year we had the ski program all ready to go but the ski area kept not opening. And I mean, I, as I was sitting there my first month in the school looking up at the mountain, I was, it just occurred to me that this is really odd to be living in a place like this in a school right across the street from a ski area 
And there were a lot of local kids that didn't ski at the time. Most of the newcomers' kids skied because that's why we came here. But um, there were an awful lot of, of the older ki the kids from Telluride that grew up here that didn't ski. So I just felt like need to do something. I, PE teacher, I guess. I had to figure something out. And so, you know, in the beginning, it was uh, 10 weeks for uh, 25 bucks. Two, two days a week for 25 bucks, you got to go ski. And after about three years, we ended up getting season passes for the kids as well. Um, so it was good. I mean, and, and it was just another one of those things that it wasn't me. I mean, it was literally Marilyn and Susie and Vicky and and Gordy and you know Judy D'Angelo from back then and Janet Oliver, all those elementary school teachers. Without them and their enthusiasm for um, for um, making this thing happen, it it, it couldn't have happened. Mm. And but it, it was great. It had a huge impact on so many lives. Oh, so I, many, I think, my goodness. Yeah, I think suddenly it was yeah. Maybe every, we. Everybody went skiing. This might Everybody. be somebody who... Hello, you're live on KOTO. Well, I just want to chime in about the unique opportunities from those days and how it felt like there was a great potential to do whatever you felt like doing, like, you know, coming up with some random idea, and it could happen because there was a blank slate, as you said. And I would like to hear from all the guests as to how they felt that same enthusiasm and opportunity that they could just jump mm. in and do whatever they wanted to. Mm, love that. The sky was the limit. <laughs> Terry, in what way was that for you? Well, Paul. you have to understand the enthusiasm that was part of those early years in Telluride and all the young people who had congregated here kind of shared a common vision about what this place was and what it could potentially become and um, we got uh, really concerned particularly on the political level mm. that there was not enough protection being uh, put in place to help sustain the historic character of the town and so forth and so on and thank goodness for Tom Hale, bless his soul, who was the first person to really get Telluride into the historic preservation mode. <clears throat> but there was still not much in terms of zoning and uh, things that would, would, you know, would really help protect uh, how the community developed. And the other piece of all this is the school. Mm -hmm. uh, and school, because of people like Marilyn and some of these other great teachers who were there, quickly became a real focal point. And everybody wanted to see a better institution. Mm -hmm. And so there was a real commitment to getting good teachers, hiring interesting and progressive administrators, and and ultimately the school just became I think the cornerstone of the Telluride Foundation and and uh, and to the to the extent that people began moving to Telluride wow. to put their kids in school. Wow. And so that was the other piece of that whole sure. puzzle. So I I think it's it's interesting to me. I, I I tend to look back and say 
You know, there's, there was nothing special about any of the people that moved here in the 70s. What was special was that a, a group of people with similar, similar values, similar politics, similar visions all happened to move to this one place at the same time and shared an experience that was, I think, extremely unique. I, I don't think that that kind of an experience was happening in other places where, as Terry said, you know, the, the, the slate. Um, mm-hmm. You might want to talk about that. You know, it was when, when the newcomers, the hippies, took over town government. I, I, I wasn't here. It was the year before we got here. But I saw a copy of the paper. I think it was Louis Newell, maybe. I don't remember who's yeah. doing that paper. And the front headline was a picture of the four people on the slate. Mm. And the headline was, is this your new town council or the cast of hair? You know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was, like I said, it was a pretty unique time. And you could have pretty... Um I don't know, riveting political discussions and then you'd run into the person at the grocery store and everything. It was such a small community. Like, talk about how politics were different then compared to now. Well... Uh, I mean, you still... That still happens, I suppose, but... Town council meetings, because uh, they weren't, at that stage, broadcast on Kodo, because Kodo didn't get started until... 75. The, uh, the slate took over and funded uh, getting uh, a radio station on the air. But uh, town council meetings were always just really well attended. So there would be lots of discussion, lots of back and forth. And then once the meeting was over, everybody would go to the Sheridan and sit down and <laughs> go through it all again. So it was just, uh, it was quite an interesting experience. And uh, mm-hmm. everybody, uh, every, everybody seemed to be connected and wanting to know what's going on and how we're going to deal with this and that. And so it was... It was just such a dynamic time. It, it seems to me that we just wanted it to be different here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We want, you know, we yeah. wanted. I don't know if you. Well, we'll it. never be an aspirin. No. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I heard a great quote about Telluride, the town that doesn't want to be aspirin but it can't help itself. <laughs> but we learned a lot from them, from employee housing to no neon to a lot yeah. of stuff yeah. that they learned the hard way that helped but I think I think that was it that kind of group vision or group feeling that we really wanted it to be different here and it and it happened you know it happened for a long time and maybe uh, it still is happening I hope another person that we lost recently Jim Burley um, mm. and uh, yeah. I, I remember talking with Jim a lot about this back in the day when I was working for the town um, the old saying um, in the long run government never beats the market but you got to keep putting up the good fight. And I would suggest that we put up that good fight for a good 30 to maybe 35 years. Uh, um, you know, in my opinion, we've maybe lost more battles than we've won uh, in the recent years. But for a lot of years, if you look at downtown Telluride, with the exception of, in my opinion, two buildings, um, the mass and scale of downtown Telluride is what it was back then with the exception of all those vacant lots filled in. But it, I think the community did a great job of trying to mm-hmm. trying to maintain that. See, I, I also think that, that the Mountain Village <clears throat> helped with that. Mm-hmm. We could keep Telluride what it was, and the Mountain Village can be what it is without overwhelming what was here in yeah. town. I really do. It yeah. Was, yeah. There's, there's no question. I agree. Yeah. 
and just, you know, I mean, it was a mud bog. <laughs> it was a wetland when we moved here. Uh, a wetland. <laughs> yeah. Let's, um, let's take a quick music break. We've got about 10 minutes left. We'll be right back. You can call in and share your stories. Please, if you were here in the 70s or if you know any of these fine folks and want to call up and tell a story about them and embarrass them on the air or, or um, pay tribute to them on the air, 728-4333. Here's a little John Prine. I've been down this road before I remember every tree Every single blade of grass Holds a special place for me And I remember every town And every hotel room And every song I ever sang On a guitar out of tin I remember everything Things I can't forget The way you turned and smiled on me On the night that we first met And I remember every night Your ocean eyes of blue How I miss you in the morning light Like roses miss the dew I've been down this road before Alone as I can be Careful not to let my past Go sneaking up on me Got no future in my happiness The regrets are very few Sometimes a little tenderness Was the best that I could do I remember everything Things I can't forget Swimming pools of butterflies That slip right through the net And I remember every night Your ocean eyes of blue How I miss you in the morning light Like roses miss the dew I miss you in the morning light Like roses miss the dew Yep. That doesn't happen anymore. I, yeah. And I do it on purpose. I do too. Hey, how's it I, going? You guys, <laughs> y'all are on the air just now. Yeah, okay. okay. All right. So I'll but you say can that still say that. Air, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Gary just brought up walking down the street. It, we all, everyone used to say hello to each other. And now that doesn't happen because there's too much balance to big city people being here. Well, and, you say hello and they don't say anything. Right. They don't look at you, you know. And now... I do it just to piss them off. And I do too, you know, just to freak them out. Like, hey. You know, and anyway. Uh, you talking to but, me? You know, Kara, <laughs> you were just asking us about how is what's happening now different than what happened when we came and mm -hmm. we were the newcomers. And how you were accepted or One not accepted. One of the differences, yeah. if I look out this window here, mm -hmm. everyone in this neighborhood 
was a primary resident. We didn't have right. second home owners that, you know, Sally lived there and she was raising a child. The Connicks lived over there. They were raising kids. The Booties, the Lambs, our Jenny, in, our Jenny and, yeah. and Stiff, our entire neighborhood were, yep, Jim and Laura. Our the lights were on. And yeah. the Boyds up on that corner. They were primary residents. Mm -hmm. We were all here raising our kids together. I could call and say, Lucy, I need to run to the post office. Are you home? Can the kids come over for five minutes? And there was just this real sense of community that you don't have now. You get these people who come in and, you know, they may be very, these folks are wonderful. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't really care about community. Hello, you're, you're live on the air. Can you turn your radio down a little bit? Oh, we lost them. Yeah, I mean, that is something. Hopefully they'll call back. Call back in if you just uh, tried calling in. Um, something that's very different from the 70s, obviously, is that uh, not a lot of lights are on in a lot of the houses. Yeah. Um, and there they are again. That's what happens when you stall. Here we go. Hello, you're live Hello, on KOTL. This is Wendy Brooks. I just wanted to tell one old time story that uh, is in honor of Huntworth, who I hope will come today. I, I arrived in 76 in a VW bus with my three kids, and two nights later I was at the Roma, because that was where everybody went to get warm at night, and I met a realtor named Huntworth, and he said, there's two houses in town for sale, I'll show them to you. I had $4,000 under the seat of my VW bus, and that was the price of the down payment. And I bought the house, and I've been living in the same house ever since. And I'd like to thank Huntworth, and I hope he comes so I can buy him a beer at the Roma. <laughs> Love it. Hey, Wendy, can you turn your radio, can you turn your radio down? You're feeding yep. back a little bit. Oh, there you are. Perfect. We heard your story, but also, I'm, does anyone recognize I'm sorry. that name? No, you're fine. Of course, Hun yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Hun was of course, I am. The, wasn't he one of the? Are we all going people? to the Roma yeah. after this show is over? <laughs> I mean, are we going to the Sheridan? Uh, these are we going to the Sheridan bar? <laughs> these people have already started, so I would say yes. They are uh, a couple drinks in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was hoping everybody who was here tonight would meet at the Sheridan right now because I'd like to go there and toast them. Aww. It was a great show. Thanks. Thanks, Thank Wendy. You. Thanks, Thank Wendy. you for calling in. What What would you, if you just talking about some of the differences, and um, I first want to know, I really want to know before we close, why did you all stay? What was it like, Gary, you just talked about, just like you just never left, but like, why did you stay and what would you integrate from the 70s into current day in a realistic sense? Like, well, I, I, I've, I've, there's an old saying, you came for the winter and stayed for the summer. Um, I've added a sense to that, um, stayed the rest of my life for my friends. Um, I think that's probably the thing that keeps us here. We, uh, Jane and I have talked about moving over the last five, 10 years uh, as Telluride changes, but we realize we'll never form friends like this again ever i mean that just isn't going to happen and so i think that's a real key part of it yeah you know i think whether you see friends or people you've known forever a lot or not you know they're here yeah mm. yes 
I agree 100%. Well I can see Sako once a month or once yeah. every three months, and it's like neither is it. It's like we saw each other yesterday. Yeah, yeah. it's that conversation picking up, you know, and that's big. It's really big, you know. When you're up, you catch a lot of shit. When you're down, they're there here for you. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Well Terry, you want to chime in? Well, yeah, it, it, Gary, I can make a hit on it with the relationships that we've all had mm -hmm. over the years that have become so meaningful. And, and of course, we, we've all been involved with different aspects of the community that we felt were important and wanted to help sustain and move forward. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's just been... Uh, that, that party I mentioned a minute ago, re-erect Peter Waldor when he got in this horrible car wreck. There was another party at the Roma, Save Our Pig, which was when Hank Smith mm -hmm. had some, he was the town marshal, got in some trouble, and we all came together and, and raised money for it. I mean, those were the kinds of things that happened in those days. And it was, and it wasn't, nobody felt like, hey, this is weird, we're doing this. It was, of course we're going to do that. Sure. And our children that were raised here, my friends are their aunts and uncles, mm -hmm. and they they mm -hmm. feel like they could go to any one of them, just like Saka was saying, the community is there for him when he needs him. My kids feel like they'd go to any one of my friends, and they would always mm -hmm. be there for them. Let's take one more call. We have, a, we have nobody coming in right now, so let's just take one more call. You're live on the air. Hi, this is uh, Rick Silverman, and I just want to say that it's difficult to listen to this without succumbing to a certain sense of melancholy. But I want to thank each of the three of you for the grace and nobility that you've lent this town by dint of your having been here for half a century. It's been a pleasure to share it with you all. And without your contributions, it would be a duller, colder, and much more hostile environment. So thanks to you all. Bye. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> One thing that you would integrate into present-day Telluride, if you could, that was a, alive in the 70s, that would be realistic? The sense of community, mm. the closeness that everybody felt to one another. And I would say the same. Yes. And I, I think that's, you know, what so many people are really seeking is a sense of community. And um, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to create and then to, to sustain. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, but it was, it was just so much a part of those early years in Telluride because we just all knew everyone. We were lucky enough to come here at a very special time yeah. and that yeah. time will never come again. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I mean, I think about being, you know, on Main Street or something and seeing somebody's kid getting in trouble <laughs> or whatever and you could just call them up and go, hey, you should you should know about this. <laughs> <laughs> the kids couldn't get away with it. No, anything. they couldn't. <laughs> uh, uh, love it. Well, thank you all so very much for coming in and sharing. And I hope you have so much fun this weekend. I wish I could be a fly on the wall. I bet the bars are going to be hopping. <laughs> It'll be great. They It'll be, be fun. Thank yeah. you, thank Kara, you. You'll for see that. a lot of old geezers walking <laughs> around town. <laughs> no. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for coming on tonight, and thank you for uh, for everything that you've done for this community over over the years. Thank you, Kara. Yeah, yeah, you've done a good job a putting this together. It's been great. All right. Thanks. Here we go. We'll play a little uh, 
this song doesn't necessarily apply, but the song remains the same. Led Zeppelin. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, it does apply. <laughs>